Proverbs chapter 9, where we'll be here for our time together. We all need wisdom, do we not? We all need to be growing in it. We all need to be coming to a better understanding of who God is, who his son Jesus Christ is, and what uh, impact that has for our daily life. And tonight I want us to be reminded of that from the book of Proverbs. I think all of you know me pretty well enough to know that this is one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's one I return to often. And as I was thinking on that, I wanted to return to uh, a short proverb, but one that is packed full of information that we need to consider and be reminded of. So as we begin, let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day to know you and to spend some time in your word. I pray, Father God, that you would teach us, give us a mind and heart to hear your word to listen to it, to obey it, and to live it out. I pray, Father God, that we would never grow tired of learning about you, of reading your word, Father God, and living for you. I pray now, Father God, that you would guide us and direct us this day. We pray all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A reminder about the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is not a book full of commands, but a book full of principles that teach us how to live wisely in our world today. Too many times people have taken some of these Proverbs and treated them as guaranteed promises and commands. And then when some of them don't pan out, people wonder, well, what, what's the point of that? An example would be one of the Proverbs where it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he was old he will not depart from it. And then some Christian parents are mad when their kids walk away from the Lord and said, I did what Proverbs said and it didn't work. Because it's not a guaranteed promise. It's a principle to follow. And then we follow that principle. We're reminded again and again to pray uh, for wisdom and pray for our children. So as we think about these things, we think about the cause and effect that happens throughout the book of Proverbs. Let's compare and contrast how we live this life. Proverbs is a book of wisdom that teaches us how to live a life in godliness. You make this kind of choice, this is the result you can probably ex expect. You make this other kind of choice in contrast, here's the result that can follow. And our proverb tonight is exactly that, Proverbs chapter 9. It is, these, it is a book full of this comparison that we want to look at for wisdom and knowledge in our daily life. Here in the specific context, we have Proverbs chapter 9. And in Proverbs chapter 9, there is a contrast of lady wisdom and woman folly. How they compare with one another, how they contrast one another. How God calls us to live in the light of what one offers, and how we, what's the result if we choose another way of life. And each of these uh, figures of speech is, offers an invitation. We, gotta, we have to remind ourselves that it's not real women speaking, or rather in a poetic sense, wisdom is being spoken, and we listen for a woman's voice, as Scripture paints it for us, that there's something soothing and inviting about when a lady speaks that we want to listen. But there's also something that when a woman of folly speaks of foolishness, there's something that kind of turns us off. We're like, what? That, that's kind of obnoxious. And the Proverbs uses this illustration to teach us how to listen and learn. 
The point is not who is speaking, but what is being said. So as we think about this invitation in the book of Proverbs, we want to think about what it means to live if we listen to Lady Wisdom. But what is the comparison? If we listen to a woman folly, what is the result of our life? We want to grow in our understanding because we all need to be reminded day after day just how wonderful it is to grow in wisdom. As Proverbs tells us in chapter 16, verse 16, wisdom is better than gold and knowledge better than silver. And we want to continue to be reminded of these things. What wisdom offers is a wonderful invitation to all who would listen. When we listen to wisdom in order to learn and grow, we gain wisdom that keeps us from self-destruction. Too many people have gone down the road of life on a path of destruction because they did not listen. They did not learn from those whom God had placed in their life. They did not learn from God's word. They did not listen to God. And as a result, they destroyed themselves in the process. And that's what this proverb paints for us this evening. What is this comparison that we are going to see? So beginning in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1, we read this. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. And this is what she says. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the way of insight. Listen. Here we have two calls in this chapter, one from Lady Wisdom and one from Folly. First, we're going to see what Lady Wisdom has to say, for Lady Wisdom is always prepared. It tells us in the text that she has built her own house, she has hewn or carved her seven pillars. This is not a literal woman building a literal house, but here is the poetic sense of it. Here is the wisdom. When wisdom speaks, there is authority that is being spoken. When wisdom speaks, it is from God who carries all the wisdom and knowledge that we could ever want. It comes with the authority from God. It comes with experience. God knows what he is talking about. Are we going to trust him? As Lady Wisdom has prepared her house, she is ready to serve her guests. She is ready to serve those who are going to listen. And those ready to listen, she has a wonderful invitation, and this invitation is a delight to hear. It tells us in the text that she has slaughtered her beast, she has mixed her wine, she has also set her table, and her servants she has set out into the world, as wisdom goes, as God's wisdom goes into all the world, here is the invitation. It's available. It's ready for any who would listen. We get invitations in the mail, and oftentimes they're to a great feast or a great, great banquet. In this time of year, as we come to the end of summer, a lot of us have been invited to graduation parties. Oftentimes we're invited to weddings where there's a celebration. Uh, there's a holiday coming up here in Labor Day. And people get together, and they get together for feasts. And the Bible paints this picture again and again, because one day there's coming the wedding supper of the Lamb, where all God's people are going to be gathered together for a great feast. And this feast is this fellowship as all God's people come together and rejoice and are satisfied with who God is and what he's given to us. And this is what Lady Wisdom has done. 
It's giving a, when we look at wisdom in this light, we're getting a taste of what God is offering, both now and in the coming when he comes back for us. As, as Lady Wisdom has slaughtered a beast and mixed her wine, she is giving us food and wine and ready to serve. What, what's interesting about the food that is being offered is that it's filling, it's satisfying. It is good for us. Wisdom invitation is to the simple. As wisdom says in verse 4, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Or another, your translation might say, instead of simple, it might say inexperienced. This is not referring to somebody who is simple-minded, but rather somebody who needs to be taught. And we all, no matter what age we are, need to continue to be taught and learn about who God is. So wisdom's invitation, it says, come, come eat of my my food that I have prepared. Come and listen. Come to learn. Come to learn about God and come to be satisfied in Him. This is the invitation. What wisdom offers is quite filling. Come, eat of my bread, she says, and drink of the wine I have mixed. What wisdom offers to those who listen? Wisdom is offering life. Wisdom is offering life in God and Wisdom is offering us something that cannot be denied to know what it means to follow and live for God. This wisdom is of God, who is the source of all wisdom that he gives to us. That God wants us to listen and to learn in such a way that we may gain an understanding. Because it's so fascinating how the more we find ourselves neglecting God, whether through uh, not attending church not reading his word, not spending time in prayer, the more hungry we get spiritually. And some of us try to suppress that in a sense of, oh, it really doesn't matter, I'm just hurt, or I don't feel like it right now. And we start hungering, and we hunger, and we hunger spiritually. And and if we're not turning to God, we're turning to something to satisfy that craving. Whether it's an idol, or an addiction, or some replacement of God that we are trying to make God into our image. If, God, if people would just understand what I'm going through, or if God just understood what I'm going through, everything would be all right. And God's saying, I'm here. Just listen. Just learn. Come trust me. Come follow me. Come learn from me. Come be satisfied in me. When, wisdom, when Lady Wisdom speaks, I, I, I like how... The Bible uses this idea of a woman speaking because when a, when a woman invites in gentleness, there's something very appealing about it. It's drawing us in. I, I, want, I want to accept the invitation. And God is using that to show that when you listen to words of life, when you listen to words of wisdom that satisfy, there's something truly delightful about it. And ultimately, we're delighting in God and He is delighting in us. There's something truly satisfying. Turn with me to the book of Colossians very briefly. Hold your place there in Proverbs. But Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. The book of Colossians is a wonderful book. You could almost slightly compare it to a, a short book of wisdom in the New Testament. Because it is chock full of practical advice But ultimately, all of it points back to Jesus Christ. So as we think of all wisdom coming from God, we need to think of Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, 
For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen my face. Paul's writing, I care about you. I want you to grow. I want you to understand. So he says in verse 2, I want you to understand these things, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When we follow the Lord, when we listen to wisdom, we gain more of an understanding of Jesus Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How often we we try to satisfy ourselves spiritually apart from Christ, and all we do is hunger for more and more. But when we listen to wisdom, we begin to understand Christ. There is more wisdom, more knowledge that he's offering to us. All wisdom is from God and through God. And he gives it through his son, Jesus Christ. So we can say, are you listening to wisdom? Ultimately, are you listening to Jesus Christ? Or do we let life get in the way too many times? Because we think we have all the answers. We think in some regards in our pride, we have finally arrived. Yes, I need to continue to learn some things, but I have most things under control. But what the Proverbs tells us is that we can need to continue to listen, continue to learn and grow, that we may gain wisdom. For it says in Proverbs 9, verse 5, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the a way of insight. Don't just think you have it all figured out, your simple ways and our simple-minded pride. You think you have all the answers? The wisdom says, leave it behind. You don't have all the answers. You don't have all the solutions. You want to live, walk in the way of insight. Walk in the way that I am giving you. Walk in the way of the invitation that I have invited you to receive. Something that truly satisfies. Something that truly delights. Now here sandwiched in the midst of Lady Wisdom and Woman Folly is an example, verses 7 through 12, which we're going to look at. But here's the thing. When we look at this example, it's put right in between. Almost you need, you need to think about it. When we think of lady wisdom, we need to now compare and contrast woman folly. And then the Bible says, here is an example from which one you will listen to. But the Bible puts it right in the middle. I'm going to give you the example of what happens when you listen to wisdom. And I'm also going to give you the example of what happens if you listen to folly. And once you've heard this example, I'm going to remind you what folly is doing. Here's what the scripture says, verse 7 of Proverbs 9. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For my, by me your days will be multiplied, and, your, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. In the middle of these two invitations, we have the voice of wisdom that is speaking. Wisdom has something very important to say, to teach us, if we're ready to listen 
and to learn. This is the result of listening to the invitation of wisdom. If we have, re- if wisdom has called out and says, "Come, leave your simple ways. Come, learn from me. Come, be satisfied with what I offer you." Here is the result you can expect. It's not some theoretical invitation of, well, if you listen to wisdom, you'll gain some kind of understanding. But rather, the scripture goes and says, "I want to show you." How beautiful and how wonderful this wisdom is! If you have listened to it, if you have gained understanding, here's something you can expect. The point is this: if you're listening to wisdom versus folly, you'll gain a better understanding of life in general, how you think, how you speak, how you act, ultimately how you live. So here in verses seven through twelve, we have this compare and contrast. Look at wisdom. When you listen to wisdom, look how rewarding your life will be. If you listen to folly, look how miserable your life will be. When we listen to folly, ultimately we can become a scoffer or a mocker, somebody who makes light of things in life, somebody who doesn't take life seriously. The mocker or the scoffer only finds heartache and loneliness. Life is trying to be all about them, but in the end, it's ultimately lonely, and they are pushing everybody away. So it tells us in verse seven: Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Here's the idea: Sometimes people need to be confronted. But realize this: if you confront somebody who is scoffing or mocking, you're probably going to come away a little ru- uh, bruised and wounded. Most likely, not literally, physically, but spiritually, they're going to come back and attack you. How dare you say something like that to me? Who do you think you are to talk to me in such a way? And so the mocking or the scoffing comes to light. Arguments can get out of hand, and before you know it, we're, we're beaten, we're battered, or bruised, and we walk away thinking. I was only trying to help, but I'm hurt. Wisdom is telling us that sometimes that is necessary to do. But remember, as you grow in wisdom, and you try to help others grow in wisdom who may not want it, you're going to come away a little bit beaten. And sometimes this person is too far gone. You, it's better not to say anything to them. They're in their own misery. They they're already getting the reward for the choices they have made. Rather, we are to teach those who are already willing to listen, and they will only get wiser. There is joy in teaching those who are teachable. In wisdom, we learn to live a life with, with, that is rich, with things that are good and pleasing to God. That are good. Verse eight tells us, "Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you." Don't do that. But rather, here's the comparison: reprove a wise man, and he will love you. When we confront those who are already growing, and this this happens a lot in church, if we're functioning as a body of Christ, we need to be willing and able and bold to go to one another as we're growing and confront one another in a way that helps us grow even more. We may not like initially what we hear, but when we hear it, we say that that person was right, and we gain more wisdom through that, and we continue to grow. It happens in marriage as well. There are things that Debbie tells me that when they first come out of her mouth, 
I don't necessarily like them very much. And I know I do the same to her. Because one is we're not doing it to be mean or malicious. We, we see something and we want that person to grow. And our pride gets in the way and we're like, who are you to say that? We may not verbally say that, but we think that in our pride. But if, we're tr- if our heart is truly tender and teachable, at first we're like, eh, what are you talking about? But later on, it says, when, when the wise man gets reproved, he will love you. And you come back and you say, thank you for pointing that out. I needed to hear that because that helps me understand, that helps me to grow. Verse 9 tells us, give instruction to a wise man and he will be, wise, he will, he will be still wiser. There's never a point when you arrive. We never get all the wisdom and say, I have plenty of wisdom. Now it's up to me to impart it on others. No matter how much wisdom we have through life and what God has taught us, there's always more to learn. And this is what we turn to Colossians for. In Jesus Christ, there is something mysterious. That there is so much he has to offer. Treasures of wisdom and knowledge in him it's found. And there's always going to be more to get. There's always going to be more he's willing to share and wants to help us with. So as we grow in wisdom, we gain more wisdom. And as we gain more wisdom, we continue to grow in wisdom. When you watch somebody who goes through life, who just who is abstinent, who is this scoffer, as we've already seen, who just mocks at life and makes fun and makes light of just life in general, even their own life, you can't teach them anything. Because one, in their pride, they, they don't have it all figured out, but they think, I'm, I'm good, I don't need anybody to help me. It's just a form of pride that manifests itself, and we, our heart goes out to those people, and at the same time, they're on their own self-destructive path. And we can't teach them anything. And yet, when we learn wisdom, we get sensitive to those things, we become teachable, where we say, I don't want to be like that person. I haven't arrived, and I'm never going to until I'm in the presence of the Lord, but until then, I want to continue to listen and to learn. This is why the book of Proverbs uses this idea of lady wisdom. God is calling out throughout the whole world, here's my advice, here's my commands, here's my love for you. When when I send a certain person or individual into your life and they say something in a certain way, how are you going to take it? Are you going to listen and learn and grow through that process? Or are you going to scoff and say, who are you? Are we going to grow in wisdom? Or are we going to reject? Are we listening for those opportunities that God has placed all around us? And right here in the middle, in the, in the midst of this passage, we have verse 10. That, uh, that as wisdom is teaching us these things, it reminds us all about what this ultimately points to. It is the theme of the entire book of Proverbs. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We need to keep wisdom in its proper perspective. It's not just coming to us so we can be smarter and more knowledgeable in certain things. It's ultimately to point us to God and to fear Him day after day. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want wisdom? Fear God. You fear God, you get wisdom. It keeps coming and keeps coming. And it tells us, and as you grow in wisdom, you gain knowledge of God. You come to the knowledge of the Holy One. And in this, you have insight. That as we know who God is, we know how 
we can't ultimately know how he thinks because we're finite and he's infinite. But as he teaches us more about himself and his word, we gain better understanding. So that when those opportunities come, when we listen, it gives us insight. We have understanding. I'm ne- I need to be listening. There's something here that I need to be taught. There's something here that needs to be understood. There's something here that I might need to glean from in order to better live. So it reminds us that when you listen in ultimately listening to wisdom, it is because you're fearing God. Scoffers do not fear the Lord. It's all about themselves. If there's no fear of God, there's no wisdom. With no wisdom, it's all about me, myself, and I. But with the fear of the Lord, there is wisdom. And what's so wonderful about the Proverbs is that that's the basic principle. That's the understanding. Fear God, and already there's wisdom in play. Focus on yourself, wisdom begins to leave. We get overwhelmed by all these things. Verse 11 tells us this. For my, by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. You alone have the consequences. You will, you will live with those choices. Now remember, the Proverbs are principles. They're not commands. Because that's where you, this is one example where we can take it out of context. If it's, a, if it's a command that says, by me your days will be multiplied and years, years will be added to your life, and then somebody says, well, I know the Lord, I fear the Lord, and they die young. Well, that doesn't sound like a very good promise. I was fearing the Lord and my days were cut short. The principle is the idea that if you fear the Lord, Yes, God may add years to your life because when we think about those who live foolishly, they make a foolish choice and their life ends. The consequences cut it short. Judgment day came. But the other idea is when you grow in wisdom, your days will be multiplied. They may, be, they may not be long days, the sense of many, many years, but they'll be full days. However long or short they may be, they'll be full days. Years will be added to your life. How quickly life goes by for those who are so foolish, wasting day after day. They may live short on this earth, they may live long, but those days were toil and trouble and heartache and pain and just misery, and they were not satisfying. Compared to those who followed the path of wisdom, life may be short, life may be long, but those days and those years are full and pleasing and satisfying to the Lord. And that's what these Proverbs are getting at. Wisdom offers you something that can truly satisfy you, and that is ultimately found in the fear of the Lord and being satisfied in Him. And it uses this idea of meat and wine, something filling to satisfy you. Compared to verse 12, if you're wise, you're wise for yourself. But if you scoff, you alone will bear it. When you listen to folly... Here's the consequences. And here's some examples of that. Wisdom is teaching us how to learn simply the way of life, the way that is safe in the Lord. Too many of us learn the hard way or the school of hard knocks because we are stubborn, we are prideful, we are arrogant. We learn lessons the hard way. Wisdom says, come, let me teach you. Let me teach you how to live life. Wisdom teaches us how to deal with wicked and difficult people. There will always be someone who rejects what we have to say. 
There will always be that one person who disagrees with you just because that's their personality. It doesn't matter if you're right or not. It may not even matter if they, that person knows you're right. They will still oppose you because that's who they are. Wisdom tells us how to deal with that kind of person. And as more often, the advice of wisdom is to let them go. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Nobody will want to be around you. Nobody will come and talk to you. You alone will bear the isolation and the loneliness because you're pers- pushing people away. Stop trying to convince them, for they are only making things worse for yourself and accomplishing nothing but pain and frustration for yourself. In the end, the scoffer alone bears the consequences. Pastor Ray Ortland says this about this text. Every one of us needs someone whom we regularly say, how can I improve? We all need somebody in our life who we can go to and say, help me to learn. What are you seeing in me that the Lord could use? How can I grow in understanding? And that's where people begin to speak in our life and say things. We say, am I going to listen and to learn? He goes on to say, and then when we learn to listen, we have this openness, we have humility about us, and we begin to grow. Scoffers are not like that. What is a scoffer, he says? The scoffer is anyone who never accepts correction. He thinks other people really need his opinions. He's easily offended. He is above all other people. If someone seems to threaten his superiority, he scoffs, he mocks, he mouths off. This This kind of person is dangerous. If you cross him, he will punish you and claim that it was your fault. And that's the idea that is being painted in verses 7 and 8 and 12. We all know people who think they're above us. We all know people who can't receive correction. As soon as we try to say something, their walls of defense go up. Their superiority of their pride. They never need anybody's opinion, but everybody else needs their opinion. That's a scoffer. That's a mocker. Somebody who who can speak all day long to you, but who can never receive that information themselves. This is a scoffer. And the scoffer always bears the consequences. And they are lonely, they are isolated, and ultimately they do not fear God. Are we listening? Are we teachable? If we're we're scoffing, we're learning things the hard way and pushing people away, and our pride only begins to swell up in us more and more. But it's sad how we can often think that And as a result, people still need to listen to us. That's just a scoffer's way of thinking. But more important, we need to be teachable so that we can listen to what God is saying through wisdom. If we are teachable and if we're ready to hear it, this is what God has for us. So after the book has given us wisdom's invitation and gives us an example of the results of listening to this invitation... And what happens when you don't? You're either going to grow in wisdom or bear the consequences of your scoffing. And then the proverb comes to an end with the last few verses where it talks about another invitation. And this invitation is a comparison of the first six verses. There is another woman who's offering an invitation. And if you listen to her, you're only going to have a life of misery. It's interesting when we think of 
Lady Wisdom. There's something truly beautiful about that. But to, to label a lady folly doesn't seem to make much sense. There's nothing ladylike about that. Rather, it's a woman who is just full of folly. So we have these two calls of invitation, one from wisdom and one from folly. And now we want to understand what woman folly offers. And what woman folly offers is something truly sad. But what the Bible tells us, just like Lady Wisdom is prepared, Lady Fo Woman Folly is also prepared. But she's not prepared in the same way. Verse 13 tells us this. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, those who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here, she says. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Here's the parallel from Lady Wisdom. Woman Folly has a similar invitation. If you look at verse 16 compared to verse 4, the wording is the same. Whoever is simple, whoever is inexperienced, let him turn in here. In this poetic illustration, woman folly has a house ready to serve her guests. But what do you notice about her house? She sits at the door of it, and she is elevating herself, verse 14, in the highest places of the town. Like, unlike woman, Lady Wisdom, woman folly has not built her own house, but rather she's trying to elevate herself in the midst of it. And she is trying to serve her guests, any, those, any of those who are willing to listen to her. But it is not a place of greatness like Lady Wisdom, who carved her own house. Folly is at her door, doing very little to get ready, and having to place herself in a place of recognition. This invitation is loud. It is obnoxious. It is boisterous. Where Lady Wisdom is a beautiful invite of delight, Lady Wisdom is calling, and it's calling loud enough that people are listening to it, and people are following it. But it's not nearly as delightful. If you look at the comparison there as well, she says, verse 17, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Folly does not have meat and wine to share, but rather the scraps of bread and water. But they are stolen and are to be eaten secretly and quietly. There is something about the forbiddenness of it that draws people in. It is, bread is no steak, not like the meat that Lady Wisdom offers. It's bread and water, but she says, but it's stolen and to be eaten in secret. How easily people are led away because there's something so inviting about the forbidden, the pride of sin, that I want to be able to get away with something that no one will, else will ever know. What's so fascinating is that bread and water does not satisfy, like the meat and wine of Lady Wisdom. But because it's forbidden, because it's secretly delicious, it draws us in, but it does not satisfy. It only brings guilt in the end. Folly's invitation is also to the simple, the inexperienced, is what verse 16 tells us. But what folly offers is ultimately fake. Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Lady Wisdom offers something that truly satisfies. 
woman folly offers something in replacement, but it's fake. It does not satisfy. Where Lady Wisdom ultimately offers something that's satisfying, it offers life. What woman folly offers in the end is ultimately death. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. She takes advantage of the simple, and they only bring destruction on themselves. Lady wisdom is genuine. Woman folly is counterfeit. And yet so many times in life, people are satisfied in the fake, in the counterfeit. They settle for what's not real because ultimately I don't have to report to God. I have no accountability. I get to live for myself. But life is lonely and miserable and it's fake. But too many times because of our pride, we listen to this loud, obnoxious invitation that ultimately leads to destruction. Folly is distracting from what's real and trying to make things look good that are really not. It takes advantage of things. This woman folly is the deceitfulness of sin. It is pride all around us, making our, trying to make ourselves look good, but in the end ultimately leaving us lonely and guilt-ridden and shamed. This world is full of deception and making evil look good and making wickedness not appear to be all that bad. It makes us think less of God and that sin is not a big deal. And this is why people do not fear the Lord. We cannot listen to folly. As verses 7 through 12 already tells us, here's the consequences. Life is lonely and you will bear the penalty for it. The outcome of listening to folly is ultimately Sheol, the end of the passage tells us, or hell. And what's, what's interesting about this passage is that we know that there is a literal hell, a separation from God. But in the midst of the proverb, we need to understand this kind of figuratively as well, that there is the Sheol is actually a place of living currently. What is waiting for those who are listening to folly is that, yes, in the end, ultimately at death, there is a literal hell of separation from God. But what we also learn is that there is a living hell of pain, of sorrow, of heartache, of loneliness, of separation. That is, the proverb tells us, those who listen to folly are the guests of Sheol. They go through life miserable. In a sense, life is a living hell because it's without God. And ultimately, in the very end, it is without God for all eternity because life is just miserable because we did not listen. We were not teachable. We are full of ourselves. We are full of pride. And yet, in, in the midst of it, those who are foolish have the audacity to say, other people need to listen to me and only pushing people further and further away. This is what it means to listen to wisdom to learn and grow and be delighted in the Lord. This is wisdom's invitation. Life in Jesus, who is the source of all wisdom and knowledge, without pain, without regret, without heartache, because we listened, we took the time to learn and to think about these things, to be ultimately satisfied in the Lord and not try to have all the answers ourselves. We all know very very many people who are extremely miserable as they go through life. 
because they did not listen, they did not learn, they listened to the seduction of life, their own pride, trying to satisfy themselves, and it's only lonely and separated from God. I want to end with this passage from Second Peter chapter 3. As Peter closes this book, he tells the church in verse 18, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Like Colossians chapter 2, he's the one who is full of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And Peter writes, and grow in the grace of this knowledge, that you may be mature and have life in his name. Because in Jesus is where we have the wisdom and knowledge of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day, another night to look in your word, to be reminded that fearing you brings life.